1: It's time to say goodbye to Hold Music and say hello to fast customer support with Service Cloud. With trusted AI and data working together, you can skip long wait times and deliver efficient, personalized service right away, all while keeping support costs low and more
0: customers happy. Reimagine your customer support with the number one AI CRM for service. Learn what's possible at salesforce.com slash products slash service. I'm Jason Palmer, one of the hosts of The Intelligence, The Economist's daily current affairs podcast. The Economist's award-winning shows make sense of what matters. From our special series on China's president to our weekly podcasts on business, technology, and American politics, our journalists provide fair, in-depth reporting on the events shaping the world. Search for Economist Podcasts Plus and sign up to our free one-month trial. Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Rob Wilson about what human capital focused leaders are missing when it comes to AI and hyper automation. Rob Wilson. Welcome to the conversation today. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Bay Area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about what human capital-focused leaders are missing when it comes to AI and hyper-automation. Of course, Mm -hmm. we're living in the age of AI and hyper-adoption of AI and the the many tools and how it's being utilized in many, many ways, transforming the nature of work and, and what we do in our daily jobs, so I'm super excited to tap into your experience and expertise here and explore and unpack this topic together. As we get started, I wanted to share Rob's bio with everybody. Rob Wilson is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author of one of the few technology books that a bestseller in the business category, and is a visionary behind One Reach AI, the highest-scoring company in Gartner's first critical. Capabilities for enterprise conversational AI platforms report. Rob has spent more than two decades applying his deep understanding of user centric design to unlocking hyper automation. In that time, he built UX Magazine into the world's largest experience design publication while simultaneously creating Effective UI, a full service UX firm that competed with IDO and Frog Design. And I could go on to talk about all the different awards and startups and all the many different (laughs) accolades, but I'm gonna pause there. Anything else, Rob, that you would like to highlight or draw attention to from your background or personal context before we dive on it? No, no, that's plenty. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank (laughs) you for joining me. Why don't you start by just laying out the the foundation behind OneReach AI? What are you Mm. uh, hoping to accomplish there? and then we can dig into uh, more conversation around hyper automation and the human capital focused approach. Yeah, sure. I am addicted
1: to problem solving. I'm just, you know, you could sort of trace my career as just checking on one problem and then raising the bar and trying another harder one and
0: iterating. Brooks Running has a new shoe for you runners out there. Did you hear that? Better turn up your volume. In fact it up to the max. Introducing the all-new Ghost Max. It's got all kinds of things to make your knees and ankles feel protected, like Max Cushion, Max Soft Landings with DNA Loft V2 Foam, and Max Smooth Rides with their Glide Roll Rocker. Feel better on your run with Ghost Max. Learn more at brooksrunning.com. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the credit card created by Apple. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that you can now choose to grow in a high-yield savings
1: account that's built right into the Wallet app. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone and start growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is
0: available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Klaviyo, the platform that powers smarter digital relationships. With Klaviyo, you can activate all your customer data in real time. Connect seamlessly with your customers across all channels. Guide your marketing strategy with AI-powered insights, recommendations, and automated assistance. Deliver experiences that feel individually designed at scale and grow your business faster. Power smarter digital relationships with Klaviyo. Learn more at klaviyo.com slash Spotify. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash Spotify.
1: Um... And so the problem I set out to solve was at that time really focused on uh, I was invited to an Oxford debate and it was about whether technology is leaving people behind. Um, Mm -hmm. And the two sides of the debate were interesting. The two arguments, you know, one is, you know, the fit of the fittest. You just, you can't stop technology. Just you either keep up or you fall behind. And then the other is we need to regulate and slow it down and let give people a chance to catch up and mm. i i sort of i really didn't like either answer i i thought mm. both answers were bad answers and so and and then and then being so involved in in both technology but also the ux community i thought this this problem really falls squarely on the shoulders of ux communities like this should be you know sort of a, you know a, a problem number one statement for for uxers mm. and um, and I just became obsessed with that problem and saying how do we not you know have to to, to either resort to, to one or two or the other of those options um and so that came down to trying to think about no code and how to make uh, technology more accessible and then that sort of led to conversation so if you're going to create a no code tool for mm-hmm. building applications and you don't know how long it's going to take you to pull it off because it's a really huge challenge and I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's pulled it off even though they all say they have um, yet I, uh, I think we've gotten really close and one of the main reasons is I decided since I don't know how long this is going to take to solve I need to solve the applications of tomorrow not the applications of today I need to allow mm-hmm. people to be able to build what they're gonna need to build, not what we are building. So I went into sort of a deep research mode and came up with all interfaces will be in one form or another conversational in the future. Therefore I'm gonna create a no-code platform for creating conversational experiences versus graphically based ones. So there's the, I guess not so short, <laughs> but but uh,
0: but for me, short version. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. And, and I agree you, that that Oxford conversation that you were having that panel mm-hmm. um, th- those are the types of um, arguments that I hear constantly, and I think they're both really important perspectives. Absolutely, but it seems like we are missing a major uh, component uh, when we're kind of bifurcating and and uh, thinking about them in in those ways. And and I just think it's more complicated and nuanced. Um, than either of those approaches really allow for. Um, So I appreciate what you're uh, attempting to do there at OneReach and in all the work that you've been doing. And I appreciate the UX design kind of perspective on this and approach. Um, And, you know, I do a lot of work in the, the organizational leadership and people management space. And of course, AI, ChatGPT, and all the other all the others that have really come out and been mass adopted over the last 10 plus months has freaked a lot of people out. Mm. And, you know, they're like, what's going to happen. My jobs are going to go away. Um, You know, how am I going to be relevant? How am I going to have a career, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I think, it's that's the wrong takeaway <laughs> from, <laughs> from this new technology. Um, and we are certainly in the wild, wild West of mass adoption of AI and deep machine learning tools. And there's constantly like new iterations, new releases of these tools right. coming out and and new tools stacking on top of um, the AI uh, mm-hmm. that's out there. That's coming out almost weekly. It seems like there's a whole yeah. new slate of, of offerings um, that can be overwhelming. It can be, you know, challenging to, to deal with. And I understand how it can make people really nervous about their jobs. Um, but why, why is that? I mean, I, I think you agree with me. So like, what, how would you frame mm. up like what, um how we really should be looking at yeah. these tools uh, instead of just worrying about losing our job?
1: Yeah. I mean, we were recently given an award for best AI for HR and the, I think the number one reason, or they said the number one reason is because, of our focus on enhancing you yeah. know the employee experience that it wasn't focused like many of of replacing or automating people out of a job um and i think that comes from and that fear doesn't come from the fear of the machines as much as we like to think it is it comes from the fear of bosses yeah and people thinking bosses are heartless and that that the people you work for, if given an opportunity to, like, gut you and replace you with something cheaper, that they wouldn't hesitate. Um, and I I think there's a lot of AI that's really just a mirror to our humanity and things that we need to fix about ourselves that has nothing to do with the technology and everything to do with introspection and saying, wow, do we want to live in a world where we don't trust each other, where, where like we're neighbors. We, we live together in this country, in this world. And yet my boss would basically, you know, put my family on the street if he could save a buck. Is that, is that really where we live? Is that true? First of all, I don't think that's true for many companies. Um, I think, think people do care about each other. Um, and then the second part is, um, when anytime technology comes out, we we use it to enhance. The, the fish grows big as the bowl. So mm-hmm. it just means more things that we do. Um, it, 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 I can put it this way. In the customer service space, and I say even more so in HR and employee, um, if, if we could automate all the tasks done today, and that would mean that everybody doing those jobs today are out of work, you would assume that, that means that we are doing an almost perfect job at customer service and employee experience. So there's no more tasks to be done. We've automated all the ones we currently do and there's no way to enhance it. Like no room for improvement. We're so perfect at both of these things. And then we go around and we talk to people and say, how far from perfect are we? And they would say (laughs) in both examples, like we are so far from perfect. Like there's so much room. For improvement so all this really does is maybe give us that space to start actually caring about our employees and their lives like yeah. like 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 like. when did you get a get well card from your company when you called in sick versus a, i hope you had your shift covered like how do we can we enhance this and, and can we make work more enjoyable for people can we make interacting with companies something you look forward to Um, I think, I think dysfunction is a, is a great example. You, 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 like the perfect example of dysfunction is I pay my marketing team to start conversations with customers and I pay my customer service team to get rid of conversation, getting rid of those interactions. Like I'm literally paying one side to not talk to customers and the other side to initiate conversations with prospects and customers. Like what if every conversation we saw as an opportunity, whether with employees or customers to enhance the relationship, like it should be, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's just so much room to automate the way we should be doing things instead of the way we are. And if we can get into that mindset, and we go, let's automate what we should be doing. There's so many things we can do. And it won't take any, like, there'll be, you know, green fields of things for humans
0: um, to do in this equation. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, And and let's also just as a reminder to everyone, you know, automation is not new. Um, The mass adoption of AI automation is relatively new, Um, Uh but but we've always been automating and we've always been, you know, slowly but surely at times and rapidly (laughs) at other times displacing certain tasks and certain types of things that people have done. Uh, And that will always happen, you know, as we come up with different tools and machinery and technology that can allow us to automate things that, that are repetitive. And we just don't need um, a human being to do. Um, So, so, you know, that's, that's what continues to happen. It will always happen. Um, And I personally know that I appreciate how many of the technological tools of the past decade plus have freed up more and more of my time to do the stuff that I'm passionate about, that that I feel really drives meaning and purpose in my work. And I'm able to do the more innately human elements of my work because I don't have to spend as much time yeah. doing some of the other necessary things that have to get done. But now there are tools that can help me do that. And that's, that's how it's always been, right? So, so yeah. on the one hand, we can think about, will there be some displacement of certain tasks and certain um, responsibilities for different things. Sure, but that's always how it's been. And we're always going to be adapting. And I don't know of anyone who wants to go back to, you know, typewriting pools, you know, for example, or any like go back in time <laughs> a little bit and think about how we used to do things decades ago. And most people are saying, no, we don't want to do that. Like, so, yeah. so overall, this, this is a good thing. Um, but I really like how you're framing it up in terms of, there are always areas for improvement and why don't we improve? Why do we still continue to have issues with customer service? Why do we still continue to have issues with employee experience and all the HR internal workings of an organization? Uh, It's, it's not rocket science usually like it's, it's fairly straightforward, simple, do these things consistently over time, and you're going to be in pretty good shape yet. Most organizations still struggle in these areas. And so magically, you know, outsourcing these roles and tasks to AI isn't going to fix the underlying issues or problems and, and it's not going to erase our need to continue to try to be creative and iterate and and do cool new things in these spaces. And that's a human question, right? That's a human challenge. Yeah. Um, and, and having these tools will just free us up so we we spend less time running around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to yeah. put out fires all day and we have more time you know, because some of some of the necessary functions are being completed, that we have more time to do more of the strategic and creative stuff and innovate and do and drive new directions in these areas that are going to be really important for us. Right. Uh, So I just see it as a win overall. Like, do we need to be cautious? Do we need to, you know, consider the ethical, um, you know, ramifications of mass adoption of AI? You know, these are important questions. Yes, we need to be thinking about these things. Um, but is the sky falling, or you know, is it the rise of the machines and you know a Terminator scenario? You know, no, we're we're not no. there, and that's that's kind of silly. Yeah, I think the uh, you know, I, I think one of the things to blame here is the
1: term AI. I'm not a big fan of it, even though I use it because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's helpful for efficiency of communication because I can kind yeah. of group a bunch of ideas into a bucket and use two words to point at them. But really, to me, it's just about smarter machines. That's it. Machines are the things that threaten our lives. And they they kill us. And they have been killing us whether it's a car factory equipment, you name it, we've been, you know, there are murderers (laughs) (laughs) right now bombs, guns, these are all machines, we invented them, they kill us today, making them smarter. So a skill saw that can recognize the difference between a finger and a two by four, Mm -hmm. is a safer machine. I think making machines smarter is a good idea in almost all cases. And in those cases where it's not, we should just talk about those cases. We shouldn't generalize it and say AI. We should say Mm -hmm. in this specific case with this specific machine where we're enhancing it in this specific way, we should be careful. For example, Mm -hmm. social media, right? This is Mm -hmm. an area where we use machines it's a big part of our lives. How we use these machines uh, is very important. And AI, as a as a fake human, uh, impersonating a human being in in an environment where you feel like it's safe and it's not, um, that's dangerous. And so we should we should zero in on that. But that is a social media problem, and that is a problem for social media companies. Mm -hmm. um bots and fake people have been around for a while and ai will only make that easier for them but that's that's that problem and we should we should focus on that problem um but it's not it's not ai it's specifically people that's right it's people yeah to to your your your
0: point earlier that's a human problem (laughs) that's not a technology (laughs) problem right Right. the technology is just the symptom of the human problem (laughs) right yeah. And,
1: and we do have to deal with it, right? It's, it's just, this is all just bringing up stuff we have to deal with. And so I think there's the optimist pessimist view. The optimist is it's bringing up problems that are long overdue that we have to address. Let's do it. We don't trust our bosses. Maybe AI can give us the data behind the decisions our bosses make. Maybe de- the AI can give our bosses the data behind the decisions they should make. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would create trust. And wouldn't that be nice? Right. Um so, how we use it and how we make these machines smarter is a design problem, and this mm-hmm. is where we can all get involved. Because if you get into a world where no code um, and coding and technology is obscure, the you know the book that I wrote was Invisible Machines uh, that Josh and I wrote. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the idea is if the technology hides behind and now we all become designers of these experiences and we start focusing less on what the machines can do and the technology behind them, but what are the experiences that we create with them and that yeah. we can all become designers of these experiences, that becomes a world in which we can enhance our experience as employees, our experience as customers, our experience as parents, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. a place I want to live in. That's That would be awesome. Do I want to make the gun smarter? Only if it makes it safer. But if if it's to make the gun more dangerous, then no. But let's talk specifics.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. So overgeneralizations aren't helpful. And you're right. When we say AI, that includes a whole, like multiple buckets of things, right? Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. And and all sorts of tools and applications. And and so getting specific is going to be really important. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of fear mongering that's out there around AI, the, you know, quote unquote, general bucket of AI. So we need to be very careful with that. Um, Something else, you know, we've referred to it. um, I think everything we've been talking about up to this point has been relevant to it. But are there other specific things that you think leaders might be missing when it comes to AI and hyper automation? And, And how can we be more human focused leaders in the age of you know these these advanced technologies that are in many ways going to reshape the way we do our work yeah um so to to say like what should people do you
1: have to kind of put it in relativity so i don't know you know whether people should do anything it you know people are moving slowly companies are and it, from my perspective in terms of the available technology and and how mm-hmm. slowly they're adopting it um, and so that's only a problem if if some portion of your industry uh, moves faster than you. Right. And right now, you know, everyone's just disoriented. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so if everyone stays disoriented, there's no hurry. Um. If you stay disoriented and other people start to figure it out, you're in trouble. Um. I, I don't know how soon people are going to start to figure this out, but what I see is a big mistake you know deferring to others to figure it out for you you know Mm -hmm. google comes in and says you should you should just buy our ai package like okay (laughs) first of all what is ai um so they put you on some sort of road now you're talking about a company that's you know that was falling behind itself Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and then now came up with a package as a way to like catch up so they're trying to you know, optics of like, Oh my God, no, we're not behind. Wait a sec. And now you should, and that will tell you how not to fall behind. Um, And so you look at, you know, many companies kind of coming in and saying, we're going to create an easy button and we'll just put you on a path to AI adoption. And you, you just, you don't have to understand this stuff. Just follow us. Um, I think that's a, a big mistake because if you look at open AI and this generative AI revolution, it, it, OpenAI was a relatively small company, but more importantly, yeah. the team inside were like three. It's a very small team that came up with this. Um, innovations are going to come from all over. Uh, they're not going to be uh, just all centered on the big boys. Um, Anthropic, another example. Yeah. You know, So I think just deferring your strategy to somebody who's trying to sell you a package and and is really freaking out cuz they don't have a they're losing their moat you know so the the moat used to be a trust for companies um in some ways and then you know a way for google and big companies to kind of protect their business and now it's a prison um and i think companies don't understand that they're getting deeper and deeper into the prison mm-hmm. <laughs> when they follow this The other thing is what we talked about automating what you do instead of what you should do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I I think that's the biggest, what are you doing? Like, why would you automate the way you do things? First of all, it's easier to automate the way you ought to do it because more people that's, that's, that's a use case. You're going to have more in common with others than um, than automating the way you do it, which is antiquated and unique and costs more money because you need everything customized. So that sort of systemic change, you know, you got to start of start bending yourself around the way you ought to be doing things versus bending the way you ought to be doing it to the way you're doing it. Um, So automate what you should be doing. Um, And then the way to pull that off is start small. You know, we talked with IDEO and uh, they created a bot called LotBot, which was just allowing employees to like pick the parking space before they got in there and make sure there was one available. (laughs) And we just we could graduate that really simply into, oh, then it should you know, maybe reserve a desk and then make sure your team comes in together and manage a project. And the next thing you know, we had Lopbot running the whole company or at least helping run the whole company. Um, And and I think there's a lot of truth to starting something small internal and then just chipping away and letting it organically grow um, versus I'm going to get, you know, Deloitte in here with some big transformation project and we're going to we're going to automate the thing that will save
0: us the most money and you know blah 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 yeah and i think i know how you'll respond to this final question but with all these tools coming out constantly mm-hmm. and or or upgrades to the existing platforms right mm-hmm. we have all these new um these new tools coming out almost weekly how as a leader do i stay on top of this uh if i'm feeling just overwhelmed if i'm feeling buried you know i want to play around in the sandbox. I want to figure out what these things can do. I want to figure out use cases, but it's just like constant fire hose, right? So how do I get on top of this? How do I make any sense of all these constant developments?
1: Yeah, this is a big one. It's to focus those not on the developments themselves, but focus on your organization and wiring your organization for AI. Um, It's kind of a culture of AI. And I would say that is um, a lot of people kind of go to this centralized approach, almost like the IT approach. I'm going to create a department that yeah. does all the AI work, mm-hmm. um, and is the is is the owners of AI, and I'll centralize it. Um, decentralization is really the key, and so you do need to hire a team that's that's that understands it, but a team that's capable of educating the rest of your company, and that's their goal is to enable and to co-create with the rest of the company cuz you can solve ai can probably help solve almost every big problem in every company right now and you don't know where to start well start with creating a team that can walk around and educate each department all the way from the top to the bottom on how to think about solving these problems and come up with a framework for prioritization that's more important than trying to wrap your head around what the latest thing is um mm-hmm. because you solve the problem in front of you if you're trying to fix a specific issue with let's say you've gone remote as a company and that's causing a lot of issues and you know coming into the office you know is a terrible option as a solution you just want to be able to work more efficiently in a remote manner then what what are the issues around remoteness start solving those and then look for the technologies that are missing um, that you need you don't need to to kind of stay on top of everything that's being invented you're not going to be able to even if yeah. you can today that is a game you
0: will lose in a year from now yeah for sure well rob it has just been a real pleasure i know at the time i need to let you go but before we wrap things up for today i just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you find out more about your work your team and then give us a final word on the topic for today yeah sure um wrote the the book you can get on amazon
1: age of invisible machines um the uh, we do a podcast also, and you can track that with UX magazine. And so you can follow me on Twitter as well. Um The my final note is to just to encourage people to um, to get excited about this from an experience standpoint, not from a technology standpoint. I want people to start thinking design minded mm-hmm. uh, and and start thinking about how can we make interactions better and how can we use AI to enhance how we interact with each other as human beings and create better connections. I think that's that's certainly what I'd love to see.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well said. Rob, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah thanks for having the, me. Yeah, I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Rob can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I wow. hope you all have a great week.